Welcome to The Thriving Christian Artist, the podcast where we help artists thrive spiritually, artistically, and in business from a kingdom perspective. I'm Matt Tama, your host. Let's get started. Well, hey, friends, it's Matt Tommy, and welcome to another edition of the Thriving Christian Artist podcast. So glad that you're here. I am super excited to have a longtime friend of mine, Stephen Roach, here with me, who is honestly one of the most thoughtful and uh, genuine, authentic, deep, creative people that I know. Stephen, uh, super honored that you're here, man. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Matt. It's always a pleasure when we get to connect. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know many people are going to know uh, your name through all the incredible work uh, that you're doing in the creative realm. But for those folks that may be just getting to know you, why don't you give us the kind of the thumbnail sketch and then we'll we'll jump into our conversation today. Yeah, sure thing. So I am a musician. I'm also a fellow podcast hoster for the Makers and Mystics podcast. I've done some creative community leading through the Breath and the Clay and just writer poetry Uh yeah, if you cut me, I bleed creativity. So that's kind of <laughs> uh, that's kind of my background. <laughs> I love it. I love. It. I was so excited a couple of years ago to to hear that word polymath, and I'm like, "There's a word for us. Like we're not crazy. We <laughs> this is a thing, right?" <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. We finally got diagnosed. <laughs> I know it. I know it. So, well, I've loved watching your journey and, and being a part of your journey a little bit, just as, as friends and colleagues and all that God's called us to do. And have always appreciated um, your ability to navigate all the things that you do creatively um, in such a beautiful way. Has, has that always kind of been uh, your mode of operation, I guess, or is that something that you've kind of uh, had to settle into as, as a creative? Yeah, well, you know, I jokingly tell people, but maybe not so jokingly, that I was condemned to be a musician from the start. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, my mother was one of 15 kids mm. uh, living out in a two-room shack in the woods of North Carolina, tobacco farming family. Wow. And then my dad was a third-generation Appalachian fiddle player from up in Franklin, North Carolina. So I had music coming at me from both sides from the very beginning. You know, and I was I was seeing banjos and fiddles and guitars and all these different expressions of music and creativity from the very beginning. And so I've always been an explorer and an experimentalist, you know, trying out different instruments, whether sure. it was, a, you know, percussion, guitar, this or that. Let me just see what I can do. And that's translated into other areas as well. You know, there have been times when I've worked in theater and, you know, written some books. And so it's just, I don't know. I think there's the common denominator is just this curiosity that keeps me going and whatever seems to be inspiring, inspiring me for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, and I know you and I both are, um, although we may come at it from different uh, ends of things, I know that there's always this, this tension that uh, we're all in as creatives is this, this idea that, you know, we want to push in authentically to what God's called us to creatively and go with the curiosity and go with the passion and that sort of thing. And yet there's also this thing of, you know, I feel like God's called me to make a living in this and the monetization of that. And I know, you know, I'm always trying to encourage the folks that I'm around, you know, don't rob yourself of the creative passion and the creative journey just to monetize because you get out, you may have something to monetize, but it may not be worth anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not bringing you joy and all that. So, how have you balanced that? Because I know that you are in the myriad of things that you do, 
you do make a living from all of your creativity. You're encouraging others to do that. And yet you're insanely passionate about going with what's in your gut um, mm -hmm. creatively as well and being, being authentic to that. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been a lifelong learning lesson for me and how to right. do that. And the language I've been putting on that lately is a hierarchy of values. Mm. And, and I've had to come at all the different creative things I do from that framework that, you know, as a, for instance, just talking about book writing alone, I have desires to write a memoir about my life. I also have desires to write poetry books. I also have desires to write another creative book, like naming the animals, but I've had to come to the place where I'm like, okay, which pursuit makes most sense looking at my life as a whole, which one of these creative endeavors will right. also interact with the audience that keeps up with my work, which one of these will keep that passion ignited in me, sure. which one of these will bring a monetary return and which one is the most pertinent for this cultural moment. So I'm always right. thinking about these different things that create a hierarchy of values in my life. And that's helped me a lot. And then, you know, the other thing is I just keep one of these with me everywhere <laughs> I go and I'm constantly writing notes so right. that when, when the muse shows up, I don't lose any of the inspiration that might come and yeah. hopefully I can return to it at a later time. But that's, yeah. that's kind of what's working for me at the moment. Yeah. I love that. I mean, just stewarding the inspiration that comes because, you know, I, I hate it when I hear people, you know, talk about I've got creative block or I've got this or God's not speaking. I'm like, listen, God is always speaking. Is are, are you catching the nuggets and the, those little notebooks or your recorder or whatever it is, it gives us the ability to catch those things in the net of, of our heart, right. To, to be able to come back to. And, um, I yes. just, I, I love that. So, you know, it's interesting, um, as we're in this stage in our life, you know, so I'm a little further along than you, but not, not too far, uh, this kind of, we'll say younger middle age. <laughs> I'm, I'm catching up faster than I want to be. I know, I know, but I'll be 50 this year. And so it's, um, it's interesting as you kind of look back on your life and creativity and how it's come out, there've been these sort of waves or seasons where, you know, like for me, you know, when I came out of college, I was primarily a worship leader and musician and that sort of thing. Then I kind of got out of that and I evolved into doing graphic design and marketing. And then I evolved out of that. And for the last 13, 14 years, I've been doing my back baskets primarily. And now God's kind of bringing me back into writing and speaking and doing my mentoring. And, and it's like, I think a lot of times we think, oh, well, did I get it wrong in the past? Or, But it's not that. It's, there are these seasons. There are these seasons of life when this part of creativity comes out and is primary for us and the others are there, but they're not primary. And I just love for you to kind of, you know, vamp on that a little bit, because I think people can get really frustrated um, with their creative journey, if they don't realize that there are these seasons of ebb and flow where things come primary and then they become secondary. Absolutely. You know, I think that is one of the most important things that a creative can learn because I know at least in my own life, I held on so tightly to the way that I thought my dreams were supposed to come mm. to pass that yeah, when, yeah. as inevitably it does, life doesn't ever take the trajectory that we think it does. Right. You know? <laughs> it's like we get these visions that are beautiful and they are meant to carry us through a season, but they don't always turn out 
the way that we think. And so as a, for instance, you know, talking about the musical part of my life, um, you know, I was setting up chairs in my family dining room at eight years old and trying to sell tickets to my parents and family members <laughs> to come watch me perform. You know, I played my my first public performance at the age of 13. And so, you know, all music and performing has always been a long term thing in my life. But listen, let's be honest. Even after a decade or more of touring professionally, even internationally touring yep. 2 a.m. in a smelly van with six <laughs> dramatic, hungry musicians. I think that stage of my journey uh, might be over for the moment, right? The thrill is gone, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and but, you know, that was a really painful transition for me that I had to come to terms with. But I remember feeling so strongly just that little still small voice speaking to me and saying, you know, Stephen, if I gave you success in the way that you've imagined it, it would be at the expense of so much more that I want yeah. to do through your yeah. life. And so I think sometimes even our ideas of success or the visions we have in our mind for what a dream is supposed to look like or become, they're not always accurate. We don't, we see in part, we don't always see the full picture. And so for me, it's it's been a dance of learning how to hold on to the things that I am passionate about so that they don't get pummeled in the undertow of responsibilities and making a living and things like that. But at the same time, holding them loosely enough right. that when it's time to change, when it's time to move on, that I don't end up living a past version of myself that is no longer going to bear the fruit that this current version of myself is meant to bear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's hard to learn, you know, but we all have to go through that. It is because it doesn't make sense in our mind. Like how could this fruitful thing not be the thing that I'm going to ride forever, you know, and, it, and yes. yet it, it can, that thing can be the very enemy of what God is trying to bring into yes. um, our life. I, I remember um, I've shared it on the podcast before, but I guess it was end of 2019. I had a dream and I was standing at the back of my studio uh, in Asheville, which you've been to, you know, the big studio and all this. And in the dream, I was looking into the studio and it was completely swept clean. And I was thanking the Lord for what a beautiful season that this had been. And I walked out the door and I woke up rebuking the devil. I'm like, this cannot be God. You know, this is there's no way. But, you know, all the identity work, right? And all the, all the, you know, work that you think you've done around who you are in Christ and what God's called you, it suddenly goes out the window, right? You know, when that, when that yes. moment of, of, you know, real quickening and real, real challenge comes. And I think that's, it's been so difficult um, for me, just honestly, over the years to be able to let go of the thing that, has been successful, um, but that's always right. This divine exchange, right? Will you mm -hmm. will you let go of the thing that you've known that has been successful? That even I've been it's been the most fruitful in your life in order to take hold of this next thing that you don't yes. fully see yet. That's that's, that's right. faith in it. <laughs> yes, you know, I, it reminds me of something that a dear mutual friend of ours said to me, Ray Hughes, and you know, of course, Ray Hughes has been a friend and a mentor in my yeah. life for decades at this point. You know, but he and I were riding in a car late at night in the middle of Kentucky. I don't even know where we were, but it was it was right during this transition in my life from music to some of the other things that that I'm doing now. And he said, you know, Stephen, sometimes 
dreams are meant to carry us through a particular season until we're ready to embrace you know the next thing that our lives are meant to to do and i just yeah. remember that was so strange to me at that time i'd never heard anybody say that or even give me the permission to let go of one thing and embrace another thing. And yes. so that, that, I think that permission is something that, that we all have to have. It's like, okay, this has been my, a part of my identity expression, but it's okay because I'm rooted in something deeper than the work of my hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Cause it's the work of our hands that we tend to want to worship. Right. Which is, that's right. Yes. <laughs> you know, that, that's always the challenge. Are we going to, we're going to get our identity from who Jesus says we are, the things that, that we do. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that is something that is vital. I know you've talked a lot about that on your podcast and in your books. It's just that identity part of us. And I've expressed it like this. I've said, you know, our creative works are not the roots, but they are the branches. They're the mm, branches, but so the good. roots, you know, go into something else. And so yeah. even if if the the branches go in different directions, they're probably going to draw from that same root system in our lives. Yeah. And so anyway, yes, very much. Yeah, I just love that. You know, I'm thinking about how as I started growing in the kingdom and kind of understanding identity and and all that sort of thing, and you're thinking about balancing you know, what it is that you do creatively. Um, I kind of started coming and I, I I try to walk like this. I just, I'm interested in your thoughts. I, I try to walk in this place where if I'm doing something primary, it doesn't mean that like, and it's like my income is the thing that people know me for or whatever. Even though that's a focus of what I'm doing, I try to give room in my life for the other things. And I'll just, you know, even as an example, um, when I started closing down my basket business and that sort of thing, which I was like, that's what I was known for, you know, for, for so many years. Um, and I started painting. Um, I'm painting right now on uh, just really as a spiritual process, kind of processing with the Lord. And part of that was processing grief from my mom's death and that sort mm. of thing. But I felt like the Lord, you know, never led me to, and it still is not to monetize that, to put it out there. But it's this really valuable thing that I that I do that I give time to and in space to, and I I just am I'm really coming to the understanding that you know whether it's out front or whether it's behind, like it's all the kingdom, it's all important, it's all a part of who I am, and it all has to be nurtured. And just because it may or may not be making money or may or may not have a website or whatever, doesn't mean that it's any less important. Right, exactly. You know, and I think there's a tendency to feel like if our art is not monetized or if it's not our full-time living or right. if we're not super famous for what we do, we can tend to feel that it invalidates that work or that it doesn't have the value or significance that maybe it would if we monetized it. And um, that leads me to think about the imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I, I forget where I heard this, but it's like, I forget who said it, but it was basically, you know, if you write, you're a writer. Yeah, right. If if you if you paint, you're a painter. You know, if you do music, you're a musician. Whatever it is, it's like the the effect that it has in the world. Although I, you know, I know that we all desire the things that we do to be fruitful, to give a good ROI. You know, for what we're doing, I, I don't think monetizing it is always uh, the signifier of its worth. And I know that there are certain things like you were saying, like my poetry. I don't know that my poetry has ever. <laughs> 
<laughs> brought in a significant amount of income for me. But if I don't write, it's going to affect my own yeah. internal calibration, so to speak. It's like it it serves a different purpose. And so yeah. for me, I'm constantly writing, I'm constantly reading, and uh, and I think it has value for my life. But yeah. I've not yet value. I've not yet monetized my poetry. Maybe I'll take your mentoring class and you can teach me how to, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm just thinking about you know my own uh, like every day. I play the piano still. I still go in there and mm -hmm. sing. I'm still writing. I'm you know I don't pass by the piano if I don't you know doodle around it a little bit. But that's that's a part of my own mental health, right? That's a part of yes. my own self you know cultivation and. Right. I know that's something you're really passionate about. I mean, I think you guys did a whole series on that on mm -hmm. on Makers and Mystics, but just about this idea of mental health and the artists and that sort of thing. I mean, some things that are, that we do creatively are just for us. They're just to to keep us sane, keep us connected with the Lord, keep us connected with that inner heart place. I mean, talk about that because I know that's something you're really passionate about as well. Yeah, well, I think what you said is really key that some things, maybe they're not for the public. Maybe right. some of it is just for our own mental health. And I think sometimes distinguishing what is for the public and what is just for us could save a lot of hardship, you know, and say... <laughs> It'd save us from spewing our pathologies on our audience or <laughs> even looking to our audience to be our therapist or something like that, you know. Um, but you're right, you know, this this topic of mental health and the artist has been something that has been so important in my life for personal reasons. It's also something that I see so important to so many in this generation, especially um coming out of covid coming out of everything that we've gone through over the past several years so we did a series on mental emotional spiritual health for the artist and then we did a series on restoration for the heart of the artist mm -hmm. and all those things came out of my own personal experience you right. know i've talked i've talked a lot about it in other places but you know i went through some pretty intense personal crisis and just backed away from everything to get my faith right to get my relationships right to get my own heart right and spent a significant time where none of the art that I was doing was for public consumption. Mm. I probably wrote over 20 songs on the piano, and I didn't even know I was a piano player. <laughs> but uh, but those songs carried me through that, and they served yeah. to like really help my own process of restoration and healing and working through my own stuff. But you know, it's funny that on the other side of that season, I'm seeing so many people just saying, thank you, we've been through something so similar, or our lives have just been crazy turned upside down since the pandemic, yeah. and learning how we can actually uh, minister to that place. And that sometimes, I, I, I call it now, I'm talking about uh, Henry Nouwen coined the phrase, uh, wounded healers. Yeah, yeah. You know that he, he got. From, yeah, that he got <laughs> from Carl Jung. But I, I see the artist in this season as having the ability to be these wounded healers for our culture, yeah. and just you know when when we submit those difficult things that we go through, when we submit those to the Holy Spirit, to be able to then uh, become wounded healers for other people going through that, and that's yeah. that's something so close to my own creative journey. No, I love that. I mean, it's this idea that we are created, we allow that our creative expression to be this overflow of what God's doing. And it becomes this intersection point where people can, you know, touch the heart of God and and, and yes. see him in a, in a completely different way and experience his presence in a different way. And it's that, I love it. um, we did a podcast with, uh, 
I think you know my friend Aaron Brown uh, that's out in, in oh, yeah. California. Yeah. Such a great guy. And uh, but he we did this whole thing on empathy and uh, creative empathy. And mm. um, he's got this really great. I, I'm trying to think of what it was this this word that he puts with empathy, but it, visual empathy. Um, that's what he says. But just this idea that you know his paintings become this opportunity where when people look at it, uh, they're mm-hmm. connecting with the heart of God and they're seeing themselves yes. in this. They're seeing His heart for them and. It is this visual empathy. And I'm like, wow, what, you know, with audio, with dance, with, with visual, with reading and writing, whatever it is, that's, that's what we're called to do, isn't it? To bring heaven to earth in that way. That's right. That reminds me of a book. I'm looking at it on my shelf right here, but a friend of mine, Mary McCampbell Mm. wrote a book called Imagining Our Neighbors as Ourselves. I had her on the podcast. Great. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yes. I was going to say you should have her on if you haven't already, but that, that empathy is, is what that reminded me of. And so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Stephen, I love what you're doing. I, I love. I've always loved the authenticity and the the joy that you bring. And um, I always tell people, I said, you know, listen, if you want a, a deep guy full of creativity and a lot smarter than I am, go listen to mm. Stephen Roach because he is. Mm. You, I just love <laughs> all the things that that you bring, and um, it's just always a, a joy to have you on and, and share. I know that mm-hmm. folks are going to want to connect with you. Um, you've got conferences, you've got the podcast, you've got you know, a book, all that kind of stuff. So tell everybody where to get in touch with you and kind of get into your world and, and, and connect further. Sure thing. Well, I'm most active these days on the Makers and Mystics podcast. And so you can find that on every podcast platform. We're also on Instagram at Makers and Mystics. And uh, yeah, and then of course, you can keep up with the music that I do at Songs of Water. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much where we are. Also, the Breath and the Clay is the creative community side of things, which it hasn't been very active lately, but there is some talk of uh, 2024. So we'll see what happens there. Nice, nice, yes. awesome. Well, guys, you can go to the links that are right here, uh, either on YouTube or on the podcast uh, in the description and get all those links and connect with Stephen. But man, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It's always a joy. And I uh, just love to hear what you're doing and how you're inspiring others. Absolutely, Matt. Well, I'm totally inspired by what you're doing as well. And like I said in the beginning, it's always a treat to get to connect with you. So thanks for having me on the show. Hey, my friend, it's Matt. Listen, just wanted to say thanks for being with me on the podcast today. I hope you'll take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss anything here on the podcast, as well as leave us a review and let us know how much this podcast means to you. Until next time, my friend, I love you. And remember, you were created to thrive. Bye.